Hey, what's going on, guys? It is AJ Johnson. This is episode two of Dad Travel. And today I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite cities in the entire world, Barcelona, Spain. Um, so I've been to Barcelona several times through, uh, through some trips that I've taken with students mainly. But I'm mainly going to talk mostly about my most recent trip to Barcelona, which we went with some friends of ours that we consider family, the Yuhas, which you guys will probably hear about multiple times <laughs> throughout the many episodes of Dad Travel. So just a little information about Barcelona for those of you that may not know. Barca is a city of approximately 1.5 million people in the northwest coast of Spain in the region of Catalonia or Catalonia in Catalan, which is the language they speak in this region besides Spanish. Um, its location is only a few hours away by car or train to France. So it's a great location used as a home base to travel to others. You have the southern coast of France. You have cities such as uh, Toulouse and Provence and uh, uh, Carcassonne that are nearby. It's also just a few hours car and train ride to uh, to Madrid and Valencia, Pamplona, and some of the other big uh, attractive cities to go and visit in Spain. Um, absolutely beautiful city. Um, the city dates back to pre-Roman times, which make it really a really good place to go if you're a history nut like I am. Uh, the oldest part of the city lies on the Mediterranean coast. Um, uh, with regions there, with little neighborhoods known as like the Gothic Quarter, uh, which date back to, the, to its medieval times. Um, but over the years, the city has expanded uh, many, many times to the surrounding hills and mountains, uh, which make it just a, a picturesque city if there ever was one. Um, so here you guys will not only hear some Spanish spoken um, in this region, but again, you will hear Catalan. So you may sit down at a restaurant and get a menu and, and, and see you know, two or three different languages there. And, and uh, you may see one that looks a little, little similar to Spanish, but it won't be the exact same. And they have newspapers and magazines and uh, TV shows and everything in this other language. Uh, Barcelona has also become one of the premier European destinations to go visit. Um, so much so that the, the government there is, it has looked at various ways of, of limiting um, how many tourists can visit the city at any given time. Um, their newest thing with Airbnb becoming so, so popular, um, they've actually set a limit on how many beds can be offered, whether it's hotel bed, uh, leasing out an apartment through a website or organization such as Airbnb or VRBO. Um, so they've done this to try to limit because pretty much locals there, they're actually having issues of being able to afford apartments because people are buying up apartment buildings or, or flats and, and using them for the sole purpose of putting them through an Airbnb type uh, organization. Um, so that's one thing that they've done. But, uh, but even some of their big tourist destinations, they've set tourist caps on uh, or made rules now where you have to have a tourist guide to actually be able to go in and enter because um, they're getting so many people. So um, one overwhelming reason that uh, led us to choosing this city uh, for the trip that we took with our friends, the Yuhas, and Spain as a whole, is it is extremely, extremely family-friendly. Um, Spain, they love children, absolutely. Uh, people go out of their way to dote on your children, try to make them laugh if they look upset or sad. You know, sometimes even vendors will give them free stuff as well, which we, we encountered a couple times. 
we went to a market there in Barcelona. Um, it wasn't La Bocaria, but it was a different one. And we had bought some fruit to take on a picnic. And just as we're about to leave, the, uh, the fruit stand owner um, reaches down and, and gives me uh, two little miniature little baby bananas uh, for my daughter and for our friend's daughter. So um, the Spanish are absolutely great. Um, great culture to go and take your kids and let them get immersed. Another great aspect for families there is the cost. Um, Spain had had a national recession in years past, and and they're slowly and surely recovering from it, but it has put certain costs at at, at lower points than the neighboring countries there. On top of that, the dollar has been very strong recently against the euro in the last few years. You may spend a decent amount on lodging, especially if you go the hotel route, but when it comes to uh, to dining, your money can go a long way. So for example... Um, you go to a decent lunch spot uh, in Barcelona and really all over Spain, and they'll typically have a menu of the day, which will you'll normally get two to three courses plus a glass of wine or a beer, all for about maybe 10 to 11 euros, so 12 to 13 US dollars, give or take. If you want to stretch your money further, you can go buy some meals in a supermarket, which, you know, there's plenty of supermarkets, department stores, you know, such as uh, El Corte Inglés, um, or open-air markets like La Bocaria and uh, the market, which I cannot remember the name, but the market where we went and bought all the fruit. Um, and you can go and have a picnic. There, there's plenty of parks. You can go down to the beach. Um, if you're planning to take an excursion outside the city, you know, it's a great idea to do, you know, get some snacks and take them for the trip out. Um, lastly, Spain is a great destination for night owls or for families that have kids that need afternoon naps. The Spanish are well known for their siestas or their post-lunch naps. Um, this then causes dinner to typically be served at you know 9 p.m., 10 p.m. or later, which sometimes means you can go get a dinner at a normal U.S. time and enjoy the restaurant to yourselves or with very, very few people there because the Spanish, they like to at this time maybe have a little pre-dinner uh, uh, appetizer bar crawl known as tapas. Um, so even if you have kids that are going to sort of hold you back from hanging out at night, you know, there's still pluses there. So, um, so anyway, uh, Barcelona, I'm going to break this up in a few different chapters. And so the next one that I got is we're going to talk about, you know, sort of the pluses and minuses about where to stay in Barcelona. So anyway, see you in a second. Hello guys. So now let's talk about lodging, where to stay in Barcelona. This can be a super, super important, but also a super, super expensive decision depending on how many people you're traveling with, the length of your stay, and also, obviously, the season at which you're going to try to visit Barcelona or any city for that matter. So on our last trip, we traveled with four adults, me and my wife, uh, our friends, the Yuhas, Eric and Denise, and then our daughter, Isabel, who was five at the time, and their daughter, Vani, who was five at the time. So six people total. And we stayed there, I believe, uh, nine to 10 days. So this was gonna be an expensive venture no matter which route we went. But your options mainly, and this is how it is pretty much in any city in Europe, you have the, the hotel route if you just wanna you know, go old school and, and, you know, and have you know, a one to two bedroom or a suite or whatever else. Um, but you know, again, you're probably gonna pay a little bit more. You're probably gonna have a little bit less room, a little bit less amount of rooms or what have you. You can go the hostel route obviously the, the cheapest route possible, but with traveling with family, probably not the best route. You're going to have communal living, uh, communal bathrooms, barrack style, living quarters, and such. 
Um, and you can also go the Airbnb, VRBO, you know, some type of apartment sharing service out there. And that's the, that's that became the best option for us. After we did our research, um, I was able to find a flat through uh, Airbnb. Uh, I, I, I reached for I researched for weeks and weeks um, when I wasn't coaching and teaching, and you know, and looked through all the different neighborhoods and and all the different apartments available, and and I really thought we'd found the perfect one. Well, lo and behold, we uh, we had issues, and you know, we've only had amazing Airbnb experiences anywhere else, but for whatever reason, Airbnb and Barcelona didn't mix, and I don't know if this was just fate you know, bad luck or what have you, or if it was just, you know, this may be the scene in Barcelona. Honestly, I'm not for sure. But um, we ended up getting alerted the day that we were leaving Arkansas that our apartment would not be available due to a maintenance issue and they could offer a replacement, but it was smaller, it was less rooms, and it was further from the city center, which was not going to work for us at all. Um, So... I get on throughout our flights and my buddy Eric, he's getting on and we're trying to find Airbnbs. We, um, we go through Airbnb and, and try to get a few others. I want to say two to even four more options. And we all get shot down saying that that apartment's already been rented and they offer us some other uh, apartment and it is nowhere near the quality or the size of the one that they had listed online. So anyway, our buddy Eric, he came through in the clutch, and he was able to find us a VRBO uh, in the San Marti neighborhood just hours before we got on our flight to cross the Atlantic Ocean. Um, and the people that, that, that offered the apartment, they were perfect. They were so nice to work with us on such a short notice. Um, and we had an amazing stay. The location was perfect for our families. We were a 10 to 15-minute walk to the Old Town Gothic Quarter, um, which honestly probably would have been a little too crazy for our kids if we had stayed there like we had planned. Um, there probably would have been way too much street noise, especially at night, uh, with how much the Spanish are night owls and you know, don't really have dinner till 10 o'clock you know, and, and stay out till the wee hours of the morning, uh, going from, from restaurant to restaurant or bar to bar. And so it really worked out the best uh, in the end. But we were about the same distance, about 10 to 15 minutes, to the Sagrada Familia, um, the neighborhood had all the amenities and the quiet we needed for the girls. Um, and it, it was just perfect. It absolutely was perfect. So the San Martin neighborhood, uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with Barcelona, it is just a little bit east of the old town Gothic quarter where everybody wants to be. Um, and it's just a little north of the beach. And so, I mean, you're again, you know, 20 minute walk probably to the beach, 10, 15 minutes to the Sagrada Familia, 10, 15 minutes to downtown Central Quarter and Las Ramblas. Um, and so it's a very centralized location that has all the restaurants and, and, and markets and shopping that you would need. But you're still a little bit out of the, of the crazy areas. So um, now if you do decide to go the hotel route, um, over my various trips to Barcelona through taking students to Europe and me and my wife going on various trips and us going with our friends, there is one hotel that is on my bucket list. I want to go back to Barcelona and I want to go to this hotel and it is called the Mercer Hotel Barcelona. This place I just found one day strolling through an alley around the Gothic Quarter and it's it's sort of hidden. Uh, the Gothic Quarter, you know, the alleyways and the little you know, pedestrian streets are very, very small. 
because again, it dates back so long. And so, um, was just walking through doing some shopping and, and, uh, mingling around with the locals. And I see this absolutely gorgeous hotel. And so if you decide to go the hotel route, I believe it's a four or five star, um, absolutely gorgeous. Again, it's called the Mercer hotel, Barcelona. So that's my ideas on lodging. So next up, what we got is we have top places and things to do in Barcelona. Stay tuned. What to do in Barcelona. So there are so many things to do. There is something there to appease every single person, no matter what your interests are. Um, but here I'm going to talk about some of my favorites. So number one, right off the, right off the bat, uh, and it's probably number one on, on most people's list of Barcelona, but it is the Sagrada Familia uh, Cathedral in Barcelona. This is, this is sort of the crown jewel of the city. Um, this is what you're going to see on the majority of postcards and, and uh, internet searches when you do anything about Barcelona. And um, this is the quintessential Barcelona um, building. And Antonio Gaudi, uh, was the guy who started it, and he has various buildings and works all throughout the city. Uh, but he started this in in 1882, and it's still not finished. Um, he passed away in 1926. He was actually hit by a bus, um, and the city has been trying to complete this ever since. And the country and the region especially love the cathedral so much that they've been chipping in money uh, publicly for years to try to get this done. And, and as of right now, they're trying to get it done by 2026, which would mark the 100 years since his passing. And so no matter when you go, there's going to be some type of construction going on, mainly with the exterior. The, the interior is pretty much completed, minus a few little areas. And uh, and personally, I'd never been in the Sagrada. I'd always been tied time because I'd mainly taken guided student trips to Barcelona. And so to finally be able to go in inside and see the interior was absolutely amazing. And there's so many intricacies, both on the exterior and the interior, but my favorite thing about the cathedral has probably got to be the stained glass. They have some of the most beautiful stained glass of any building I've ever been in. When the sun shines through, there's so many different colors going through the different parts of the basilica that it's just so absolutely gorgeous and unreal. Um, you know, for those of y'all that like uh, sculpture, the exterior has some of the most amazing biblical uh, scenes sculpted out in, you know, sort of this hodgepodge of artistic style. You know, it's realistic, but it's but then it's also got its own little flares and, and what have you. Um, but if you like uh, Antonio Gaudi, if you like the cathedral or basilica or, um, you know, you've got to visit other places like uh, they have the, the Park Güell which is located a little higher up in the hills, and it's an open-air park and gardens. And it was Gotti's other uh, popular creation uh, that ha has been popular with tourists. Um, he originally built it for the neighborhood that is there, and lo and behold, the, the neighborhood at the time, they, they did not like it. They thought it was atrocious. And, um, but over time, the city has, become, has came to embrace it and has become a very popular tourist destination. And it's, it's also just became popular with... Uh, with the locals, though, last time we were there, there was a lot of sort of anti-tourist uh, signage and graffiti um, because some of the locals there do feel like they're sort of being pushed out of the park only to sort of, you know, use the park to service the tourists. And so um, so I love the Parque Guell also. Uh, he has a few other buildings there in uh, in Barcelona that you got to check out. Um, if you're a sports fan, 
you know, especially with me having a coaching background, even though it's an American football, um, you have to go and you have to visit Camp Nou, which is the home stadium of FC Barcelona. And this complex, not only is it home to the soccer team, but it's also home to other men's and women's sports, such as basketball, handball, etc. Their team museum was quite possibly the best sports museum I've ever visited. Um, other sites there were the locker room. We got to see the training area, the media room. And, of course, we were able to actually step outside on the pitch, even though it, it was not the best weather. Uh, I believe it was the only day that it rained or got gloomy uh, in Barcelona during our entire trip. <clears throat> However, as a coach, I fell in love with an exhibit they had there explaining their team culture and their coaching philosophy that they use at every single level. Um, they even had descriptions of pictures of their youth programs and their routine in the academy and sort of their motto of, of what their culture is and, and what they want to uh, uh, introduce the younger players to and sort of mold them into as they go through the different levels and the different programs. And um, they had plenty of memorabilia there of, uh, of their various teams. You know, one thing that I didn't realize, you know, being from Arkansas is um, one name that we know a lot of is Scotty Pippen, who played for the Chicago Bulls. And, and lo and behold, he pl actually played for FC Barcelona's basketball team, and we got to see his jersey there. So it was cool to see a, a home state connection there. Um, the third attraction, and maybe the one that I was the least expecting to be that awesome, was traveling to uh, Montserrat Monastery. Um, you know, I'd heard about it in previous trips, and honestly, initially, I thought I was spending too much time traveling away from Barcelona to, to go and visit because it, it's a 45 to 45 minutes an hour uh, train ride or drive away and so um, so I really wasn't expecting a lot you know I, I've been to some monasteries or you know re religious places that are similar and just was not expecting a lot and I was absolutely blown away um, for those y'all that don't know about the monastery it's perched high up in the mountains and the two main methods of getting there is um, you can take a um, expensive cable car or the funicular, which we chose. Um, so after you get to the sort of the base of the mountain, those are your two options. And the cable car, yeah, you're going to get the beautiful sights, you know, and you're going to have sort of unobstructed views. Um, but even the funicular, you had amazing views. You may wait a little bit longer in line, but it was definitely the most cost-effective way for us to get up there. Um, the main part of Montserrat lies below the mountaintops, and this is where the beautiful Santa Maria Abbey is located. And we had the great idea that we went to one of the open air markets and we were able to get some, uh, some cold cut, some Spanish chorizo. I believe we got some Spanish ham as well. Got some Spanish cheese, some fruits, some vegetables. And so we made a little picnic. And so being able to sit up here, uh, not all the way up the very, very top, but you know, sort of in the middle of the mountains at the Abbey, sitting on the steps, being able to look all around us at the valley that lay below us and be able to have this picnic with our kids is maybe my favorite memory from our entire trip uh, to Barcelona because the kids had so much fun. Um, and then what's great is after you go in the Abbey and, and visit the sites there is um, you can take the funicular even higher and traverse the various trails throughout the mountains where you can just see some of the most amazing views possible. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to, to really go out on the trails too much because there are times that you have to be back on the funicular by if you want a ride down. Um, the other interesting thing that we heard is, is apparently a big tradition with the Barcelonian teenagers that um, they 
illegally hike up to the tip top of uh, the mountains uh, after hours and camp out overnight in order to be woken up by the sunrise the next day in a sort of a you know unofficial rite of passage that a lot of the Barcelonian teenagers do. Um, the best thing we did for the kids, though, in Barcelona, and it's a tour that I would do over and over. Uh, now that you know my my son is two, going on three, you know, probably go back to Barcelona in a few years and and let him experience it. But we did a tour that was operated by Runner Bean Tours, and if I remember correctly, um, uh, the kids just had an absolute blast. Our tour guide did a fantastic job of weaving not only fantasy and history, but also all the sights that we saw throughout this walking tour uh, into an easily absorbed story for the kiddos. Uh, highly recommend it uh, if any families are visiting uh, with kids, especially 10 and under. Uh, our starting point was was right next to a bakery. And so, you know, we were able to go in and get some pastries for the walking tour and, and have some snacks. And, and they have all these interactive props there and signs. And, and they just show this stuff that, that really we wouldn't have seen probably on our own unless we really did our research uh, for many, many weeks and months and, and really searched out for it because some of the little sites, you know, were very, very hard to miss, even if you just knew what you were looking for and you just, you know, you could have just walked right past it. Um, Let's see, uh, do the city hosting the 1992 Olympic Games. There are also an array of, of man-made beaches there. So if you're a beach person, um, the beaches there are extremely popular with the locals and tourists alike. Uh, La Barceloneta neighborhood and beach is extremely popular. Uh, all of us went there, and we had a beach day. You know, <laughs> And um, if you've never been to a beach in Europe, it's, it, you know, you got to go at least once. You know, growing up in the U.S., especially in the South, you know, we have much more, you know, prudish, uh, uh, prudish thoughts on, on going to the beach and the, uh, the human body. And so uh, going to the beach in Europe your first time, uh, no matter if you're a male, female, uh, young or old, is always an experience. Um, Barcelona also has an extremely good zoo. Uh, my buddy Eric and I, we took the girls there while we let the girl, the older girls, the women folk, go and have some girl time. And uh, it's located in Barcelona's downtown park. Very easy to walk. Um, you know, they they have some interactive parts. Uh, they have a playground. There's there's some animals uh, walking around. I know my daughter will always remember the peacocks that are just sort of, you know, going off on their own all through throughout the zoo, walking around. And so um, that was one of the girls' favorite things. Um, but of all the cool things that I've talked about, you know, all the cool places you can go and visit, um, you know, that my favorite thing probably in Spain as a whole, Europe as a whole, uh, but especially in the city of Barcelona is just walking around meandering, uh, especially in the old quarter, the Gothic quarter, excuse me, there's all these really, really cool alleyways that you can just, you know, put a map in your back pocket though. I mean, honestly, Nobody uses maps anymore. So put your iPhone or your Android phone in your back pocket and just walk and get lost and sort of see what you come upon. You may come upon a, a little clothing store that um, that normally you would never found or you may come upon a um, a artist uh, gallery, you know, where they're selling, you know, small, small prints of their works or maybe a little restaurant that, you know, maybe only holds five to ten people. Um you know, that you can sit down on in and, and, and have have a meal that 
that maybe you wouldn't get that quality at a bigger restaurant that that caters more towards tourists. So, um, so when in Spain or when in Barcelona, do that. You know, go to the oldest part of the city. You know, and and, and just get lost. Get lost. See what the city offers you, and uh, and if you feel like you're getting into an area that maybe you know you don't want to be in, then you can get your map out. Then you can get your phone out and sort of figure out which way to get back. Um, see from there. Um, in Barcelona, um, the uh, Quitat Vella, right, and, and again, that's in Catalan, so if I mispronounced that, I apologize. That's another neighborhood you really want to stroll down. Um, this is just east of the Gothic Quarter, sort of in between where we stayed and the Gothic Quarter. Uh, and this is another really, really cool neighborhood. Um, a lot of cool little alleyways to go down, but also this is where I had probably the most amazing gelato I have ever had in my life, in the U.S., in Europe, throughout the world, doesn't matter. Um, so please walk through that neighborhood, check it out. Um, every trip, though, I like to go down those small streets and alleyways, and, and uh, um, it was doing this with our friends, we even found a restaurant called and again, I hope I don't butcher this because this is in French, but La Font de las de les Muses, right? L-A-F-O-N-T-D-E-L-E-S-M-U-S-E-S. And, you know, obviously we couldn't stay up till 10, 11 o'clock and have dinner with our children. You know, our children just weren't used to it. You know, maybe if we'd been in Spain for three, four weeks, we could have worked them up to that. But, uh, but we took an early dinner there and we had an outstanding meal uh, the chef slash mother was literally in the back, uh, in the kitchen, and she had my steak hand-delivered direct from the butcher uh, because, again, we ate a little bit early and they hadn't gotten their delivery yet. And um, we had the traditional menu of the day where we were able to have several courses. We had an adult beverage or two. And, again, we only paid 10 to $12 per person. And the food, you know, it's it's simple. It's very, very good, and it's something that even if you have a picky eater, there's probably something there that your kid will be interested in trying. For example, my daughter loves soups, um, but in Spain they have a cold soup called gazpacho, and it's a tomato-based soup. There's olive oil, there's peppers, there's cucumber, but it's a cold soup because, again, in Spain it can get extremely hot depending on the time of the year, and this is a very, very good sort of you know cleansing, calming soup to have when it's hot cool you down it's very very refreshing and she just absolutely loved it and she really loved any type of food that we had the entire time so um so eating at a spanish cafe or restaurant is an experience in itself uh but i'm gonna get to that into my next post so so next post up we're gonna talk about other barcelona comida or food and just what that city has to offer Lastly, if there is one good reason to go to Spain and one good reason alone, it has got to be for the food. This country is one of, if not my favorite, foodie destination, hands down. And Barcelona is one of the handful of cities at the forefront of the country's gastronomy culture. Um, I'm a sucker for a big plate of ham or jamón. Um, and the city does not disappoint with a multitude of restaurants or markets offering the delicious cured slices of ham. Um, for those of y'all that have not had ham in Spain, the Spanish ham there is um, transcendent. It is outstanding. Um, they keep the ham 
cured on the actual leg shank. They don't remove the hoof or the bone. And because of this, you can actually tell what type of ham it is. Uh, you can start off with something as you know cost-effective or cheap as a jamón serrano, or you can even go up. So the jamón serranos are a white hoof, white hoofed pig. You can go up to the next level, which is what. Uh, a lot of the Spanish will go to, and this is the jamón ibérico, and this is a brown-hooved pig that sort of forages on its own. It, it eats berries and acorns and, um, and pretty much survives on what it can eat out in nature, um, and the taste between the two are, are very, very different, um, but they cure it on the leg. They cure it even in the shops. You actually see the legs hung up, and with Spanish ham, um, the carvers are almost classically trained to carve this extremely 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 thin so when you get it you can hold the meat up to the light <clears throat> excuse me to the light and you can actually see your finger behind the piece of ham it's that cut thin and um, it's cured to a point that when you touch the ham or when you put the ham in your mouth the fat just melts away and it is absolutely amazing um and these strips are normally, you know, two to four inches long. And, um, yeah, it's even hard to describe just how good it is. The Spanish love their ham so much. You know, they have ham-flavored potato chips. Lay's has a ham-flavored potato chip or a jamón-flavored potato chip just in Spain. They love ham that much. So, you know, give me a big plate of jamón. Give me some cheese, such as the Spanish manchego. You know, a glass of red wine. And I am one happy dude. Um... However, do not neglect other Spanish meats. Um, I may have eaten actually more chorizo on my most recent trip, on my most recent trip, than jamón by a pretty good margin. Um, you know, so chorizo for those of y'all that enjoy Mexican chorizo, it's quite a bit different. You know, chorizo in Mexico, you know, is obviously a spicy, you know, typically ground meat. Um, whereas in Spain, it is cured. It is a sausage. It's it's more like a pepperoni or a salami. Um, and so one of my common breakfasts would be, we would stroll by certain cafes and I'd get a bocadillo de, uh, chorizo, all right. And queso. So just a sandwich of chorizo and cheese, you know, and super simple, super, super basic, but all the ingredients were just so good. Um, and I cannot really stress just how much better, uh, bread is in Europe you know, coming from the, the, the Southern U S yeah, we have our biscuits and, you know, and cornbread and things like that. But, you know, just everyday bread that you're gonna have with every meal is so much better. And, uh, and it's just so much tastier. It's, it's, it's unreal. Um, in my last part where we talked about what to do, I did speak about some other food items like gazpacho, the cold soup, uh, made with tomato, cucumber, peppers, and other items. Some uh, some other things that you can get both at breakfast or at tapas bars. You can get a thing that my wife, Alice, she absolutely loves called uh, croquetas. And so croquetas are sort of like this cross-up between potatoes and a bechamel cheese sauce, you know, sort of rolled together into a ball or into a log and then battered and then fried. And so when you bite into them, it's like the combination of mashed potatoes mixed with like a tater tot. Uh, and sometimes there's cheese added or extra cheese added. Sometimes there's ham added, um, and, so, and other various ingredients. And so absolutely good, uh, to have if you've never had them before. Um, one thing that in Barcelona, it seemed like they served it as a side with most meals. 
However, I know in other various parts of Spain, they do enjoy this as just a breakfast food. And I probably enjoyed it way more than, uh, than I admit is pan con tomate. And pan con tomate is just bread, just a piece of French baguette. They, uh, they toast it up or grill it up r- real quick, drizzle it with olive oil, and then they take a big heirloom or steak uh, tomato, cut it in half, and then they take the tomato and they just rub the flesh onto the bread. So you get all the flavor of the tomato, but without all the pulp and the seeds and everything else. And it is so amazingly simple, but it is so absolutely amazing. Um, if you like pizza like I do, it is I mean, it is something that I could probably have for every meal. I mean, if I could find a good um, quality bread locally that I could get easily and every day, I would probably have this meal probably three or four times a week for my breakfast. Um, Besides that, cheese. There's plenty of options of cheese. Uh, Cow's milk, sheep's milk, goat's milk, whatever your heart desires cheese-wise, you can find something there in Barcelona, whether it's at a market or a uh, a supermarket or at a restaurant, whatever else. Um, Now, Barcelona is on the the coastline, and so seafood is there in abundance. Uh, Most typical dish of seafood in Barcelona has got to be paella. Now, paella, for those of y'all that do not know, it originally comes from Valencia, which is just the south, but um, it's become a staple there in Barcelona. And it's a rice dish, sort of like a jambalaya a little bit, for those of y'all that like Cajun food. They consist of various proteins and vegetables. So uh, the two main types of paella, there's one that is the paella uh, uh, valenciana that is the Valencian style, and it is rabbit and chicken. And then there's also the seafood paella, which is much more common in uh, Barcelona. So you'll see stuff such as mussels, clams, shrimp, uh, um, uh, calamari, octopus. You can see any and all types of seafood put into this dish. Uh, However, if you order this dish, if you've never had it before, be sure that you have plenty of time. And by plenty of time, I mean an hour to two to three hours to kill because this is not a quick food item to make. This is something that's going to take you 45 minutes to an hour to get to your table minimum uh, because they may cook this in a small batch. They may not, um, but they're going to cook it from scratch. Uh, they're going to start. They're not just going to heat it up and get it to your table in five to 10 minutes, how you know us Americans are accustomed to having pretty much for any meal. Uh, besides that, food-wise, you have to check out the markets. Oh, my goodness. Good Lord. The markets here are outstanding. Um, whenever you talk about markets in Barcelona, the first one that pops off the bat has always got to be La Bocaria. Um, this is a market on Las Ramblas uh, in Barcelona, which is known as being the, the most popular pedestrian uh, walking area in Barcelona. And um, this gets so many tourists. Again, they have uh, they've really had to limit how many tourists can go in at a time or if you're in a big group you have to have a tourist guide and is consistently rated the best market in all of europe um and you can find any and everything food item wise that you could want at this market and on top of that uh they have restaurants within the market little stalls that are cooking up stuff that was bought there within the market itself and there's also restaurants surrounding the market so there's a multitude of options if you get too hungry walking around. You can always find someplace good to sit down. Um, and stuff you're going to find in these markets, you're going to find fruit, veggies. You're going to find juices. You're going to find seafood, meats, candies, 
I mean, literally anything that you could want to eat in Barcelona, one of these markets is going to have. And in La Bocaria, um, one of the best meals I've had ever is there is a little pizza shop there. And this guy, he, uh, he came from Naples, Italy, which obviously is the birthplace of pizza. And he has a stall that is maybe four feet by eight feet or 10 feet. And he cooks up pizzas, you know, and he sells them by the slice and has sodas and, and, and beer and wine. And, and that's all he does. And this is something that, um, is so good that even probably the, one of the most well-known chefs in the entire world. Um, um, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Uh, uh, Ferran Adria, uh, the guy who owned uh, the restaurant El Bulli that was rated as the number one restaurant in the world up until a few years ago when he closed it to turn it into sort of a think tank. Uh, this was one of his favorite places to eat in all of Barcelona. And so if you get the chance to go to La Bocoria, I highly suggest checking out the pizza place. Unfortunately, the last time that we were there and went into La Bocaria, I don't know if it was the day or if it was a special occasion or what, but the pizza place was not open, and I was extremely upset because my friend Eric, he is half Polish and half Irish, so I wanted him to experience this uh, this culinary treasure that was this pizza. Um, but if you want a market that's a little less crowded, you know, I did a little more research going back, and so the market, the other market that we went to was the Mercat de Santa Catarina, and so this is where we purchased all our picnic supplies for our trip up to Montserrat, uh, the monastery up in the mountains. So, and this is much more of a market frequented by locals. Um, but besides that, there is a lot of ethnic food there in Barcelona, so you can find a variety of different cuisines there. Um, also don't be afraid of checking out again, all these little, you know, supermarkets. There's, uh, there's one chain, um, that I can't remember the name of, but it, they serve pretty much pre-made meals that you can get for, you know, two, three euros, four euros a pop, you know, and get you a drink and get on your way and, and go. So, um, so Barcelona, one of my favorite destinations. Um, if y'all have any questions, you know, uh, feel free to hit me up. Uh, on Facebook at uh, at my page Dad Travel, and I will gladly answer any of those. Next up, episode three be um, hopefully recording this weekend will be about after the Barcelona trip. The women folk went home with the children, and us guys we went on a guys trip to Ireland. And I have been, or I had been to Ireland once previously, but I was not able to experience it the way we did on this trip. And sad to say that this was probably my favorite trip I've ever taken. Not even because it was a guy's trip, though that was a lot of the fun, but that we were able to go and do what I love to do. And it was pretty much have a basic itinerary and be able to go off and do whatever we wanted to based off of what we thought that day or, or the next couple of days was the best option. And so sort of an open-ended trip, you know, choose your own adventure. So episode three, all about Ireland coming to you next talk to y'all later please subscribe please rate my podcast look forward to talking to y'all again adios